0: yet another anime podcast just who the hell do i think i am i'm ninja boy and i'm yet another anime podcast host Happy September everyone, we're coming up on the last stretch of the summer 2020 season and things are starting to wrap up for the various seasonal shows. Uh, David Productions is doing David Production Jojo things with Fire Force, Devil Academy Misfit is hitting its third four episode arc, uh, God of High School continues to, may, may have a little bit of a rust story, but the fighting animation just keeps getting better and better, uh, Sword Art Online I think hit its climactic in-game battles in the last few weeks and and even the Spring Shows have, you know, that, that got delayed to this season have some great resolutions. Uh, Gundam Gunham Build Divers Re-Rise already finished had one hell of an ending. On the on par I would say with uh, you know Avengers Endgame, Opera Roundman is had its onsen episode before the final leg of the race. And the overarching mystery of Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited is really wrapping up in these last couple of episodes. Uh, One show that really stands out for me this season, though, is Studio Nut's anime original Decadence. Uh, I might go so far far as to call it one of the most underrated, though thankfully more people are learning about it uh, as the season starts to wrap up. And, you know, part of the fun maybe had that fact that it's an anime original that we as the viewers have no idea where it's headed episode to episode week to week. And so much about that show has been unexpected, even this early on as episode 2 with the reveal of the true nature of the world that it takes place in. Uh, looking at the show's credits, the director Yuzuru Tachikawa stands out for having directed one of The Amazing Death Parade, one of my favorite shows of 2015, uh, not just because of its o- catchy opening number. His other major work uh, as a director, Mob Psycho 100, has long been upheld as an amazing series and one I had been meaning to get around to for a while, so I figured why not dedicate my anime director showcase for this season to Yuzuru Takikawa. Also, spoilers ahead for The OVA World's End, uh, Death Parade and Death Billiards, Mob Psycho 100 both seasons, and a very lightly a bit of a spoilers on Decadence. Uh, though you can definitely watch Decadence uh, Since it's still ongoing Alright, so, you know, last Last director showcase, I featured Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, compared to him, Tachikawa Sensei is a relatively newer face in the anime scene, and as such, there isn't as much out there I could find in my research about his early formative years. Uh, born in 1981, he seems to have entered the anime industry back in 2006, working for Studio Madhouse. Uh, he pretty quickly went on to start as an episode director uh, for series such as 2007 Sugururi, uh, a very graphic samurai seinen series uh working on the final episode of the 2007 trading card inspired series keba um, the 2008 adaptation of the popular uh, online game maple story uh the 2009 adaptation of clamp fantasy manga kobato and 40 of the 104 episodes of the three minute cat uh anime series cheese sweet home uh, this is all under Studio Madhouse. Uh, Tachikawa reportedly left the studio in 2010. A YouTube channel The Canopy Effect has a great episode on the decline of Madhouse back from 2016. Um, you know, as the studio succumbed to economic woes, and you know, some of the original studio founders left to start another studio. Uh, presumably, Tachikawa was in this wave of departures, uh, even if not specifically mentioned in Canopy Effect's video. Um, at about 2010, he did shift to a bit of more of a freelance role. Um, some of the early projects during this time period include uh, various episodes of Studio Pierrot's long-running Bleach anime. Um, he storyboarded six episodes, directed three of them, and also provided key animation for one of them, episode 341. Now, some of the other projects he worked on during this time in 2011 and 2012, he was the episode director for Studio Gynax's Supernatural Mystery, Dantalian no Shoka, and also the director of the ending credits c- sequence for Madhouse's card game anime, uh, Yafuru. Um He was also the director of uh, the opening of Studio Satellite's mecha series uh, Aquarium Evol. Um However, you know, in, in this time he would also have his directorial debut the OVA Arata Sekai or World's End out of Madhouse. Now, Arata now, uh, Arata Anarusekai, or I'm just going to call it World's End, um, is a multimedia project released in October of 2012 as a collaboration between light novel publisher Ascii Media Works of Sword Art Online fame, uh, manga publisher Kadokawa, and the anime studio Studio Madhouse, and this was in celebration of the author Hitoma Iruma's fifth year anniversary of being an author. Uh, the general premise laid out by uh, Iruma was to tell the story that took place in the past, present, and future uh, that involved time traveling between different worlds, uh, or tra- sorry, time traveling between these different times, and then each time would be told in a different medium. Uh, the past will be told in a novel, the present told in a manga, and then the future told in an anime. Now, as such, in order to have the complete story, you're going to need to find all three tales for a full understanding. I, unfortunately, was only able to find the anime, obviously, as well as uh, the manga online, scanlated by some some fan groups. Um, as far as the anime goes with tachikawa's involvement uh the general premise of the of the ova is that there's a group of four high school girls who are sent via time travel to the future in order to escape some calamity that has uh has hit the world um and have to accomplish something it's never really quite made clear um honestly as you know a standalone story um you know it doesn't it doesn't really hit the mark and and that's kind of by design right it's it's ultimately meant to be part of a larger story um without the other two so you know i honestly can't really recommend you check out the series i gave it like essentially a one out of five uh on my equivalent on my anime list um you know i uh, though there are moments that do stand out, um, you know some some of the premise of the anime stand out. Remind me of the uh, phone communication scenes in Makoto Shinkai's Voices of a Distant Star. A good comparison to make. Um, and there are some other good animation scenes, particularly in the background that really stand out. Um, and the character work of the girls, while you know definitely limited in the 30-minute OVA, balancing this what story they had to tell and and a little bit of world building as well. There was like a decent amount of. Character building in the limited time. Um, obviously, Tatsukawa doesn't have full control over the story, as the novel author Iruma Sensei was the one directing all that. But as limiting as those constraints could be, I think Tatsukawa did you know the best he could. Uh, in any case, after that debut, he was able to have more creative control when he participated in the Young Animator Training Project. Now, the Young Animator Training Project is something run by the Japanese Animator Creators Association. Um, it's funded by the Japanese government's Agency for Cultural Affairs, and they distribute money to four different studios um, that, have, that you know uh, bid for the project uh, to produce each of them an animated sort. Um, it's gone on every year since 2010, um, and however, I would say 2013, when Tachikawa participated, was certainly the most successful year of the program. Uh, two of the sorts have gone on to widespread acclaim uh, and full series adaptations. I don't think there are any other series or sorts from you know, the pro- young, young animator training program that have you know, quite done as well. Uh, one of these was Studio Trigger's Little Witch Academia, um, which is the directorial debut of Yo-Yo uh, The other was Death Billiards, uh, which again was, as you can tell, directed by Tachikawa under Studio Madhouse. Now, Death Billiards presents an interesting concept and premise. Two humans exit an elevator, or two separate elevators, into a bar, and they have no memory of how they got there. They are presented a choice by their bartender, which really isn't a choice at all, uh, to play a game with their lives on the stake. Uh, The two humans do engage in the bar game, in this case a game of pool, uh, with some odd supernatural quirks thrown in. Um, As the game progresses, they recover their memories before ultimately realizing that they have in fact died and this is their afterlife. Or rather it is their way of deciding where they're going to go to the afterlife as their bartender, Deckham, is their arbiter deciding if they're going to go to heaven or hell. Or more accurately, it seems that if they're going to be reincarnated or sent to the void. Um, The supernatural quirks within the game are meant to push them to their limits to determine what their true character is so that he can help make that decision. The moody atmosphere and soft jazz music really contrasts the tension as the characters get more and more desperate as the game goes on. Um, It's a 30-minute tour, definitely recommend you check it out. However, that ultimately led from Death Billiards to getting a full adaptation, which is now known as Death Parade. Um, And, you know, a lot of the same concept is pretty much carried over. In fact, a lot of the same character design and backgrounds are pretty much recycled from the original Death Billiards OVA. Um, you know, same bar games with a twist that out the, the darkness of humanity. Um, the first episode actually features a newlywed couple who reveal that there are some secrets they're hiding from each other, That are you know, so it's a little, the, the characters are generally a little bit more tied together um, than two random strangers as in the OVA, though not always the case. Um, and in the first episode, they play a game of darts instead of billiards. Um, However, in the second episode, it's a little bit more expanded upon as there was the nameless black woman who appeared in the death billiards is actually Deckham's assistant um, is revealed to be a human who died who Deckham could not pass judgment on for some reason, specifically that she remembered that he had died, which meant he couldn't do the games. Um, while he tries to figure out how he can pass judgment on her, see um, ultimately, through her interaction with him over three months, helps him realize there's more to judging humans merely than bringing out their darkest points. Um, especially, you know, if he as a supernatural arbiter, um, who is not human himself, has never lived the life of a human. So if he never lived the life of a human, how could he understand what it is and ultimately pass judgment on them? Uh, there's a lot to love about Death Parade. For one, you know they don't stick to the straight uh, death game formula for all 12 episodes. And those are certainly interesting, You know, seeing twists on the type of things that game can be played. Um, there's an air hockey episode, actually a two-parter episode with air hockey, um, as well as a Street Fighter analog. But, you know, they also have a mix of what kind of characters are are being brought on. Uh, Spoiler, you know, some episodes they have murderers brought in. Some they have, like, you know, young young, uh, potential lovers. Um, They also go back to, you know, some of the two random people. There's even an episode where there's only one person uh, who's brought out. Um, And so, you know, it, it lets you... Let's you, as the audience, try to dig into the philosophical question of who deserves to be sent to the void and who to be re- in, reincarnated. Um, however, if the show just focused on that, it would get kind of stale. Um, instead, what Tatsukawa does is he focuses on other elements of the world in which the bar uh, is, is located. Um, it seems that there's a whole world built out somewhere in some notebook that we only saw, you see a small sliver of throughout the course of the show. Um, for one, there are many other arbiters on other levels of. Of the tower, um, including you know uh, Dekum's boss Nona, um, as well as another arbiter named Ginti, who have their own methods of judging souls that differ from Dekum's. Um, that makes for some interesting episodes to contrast how Dekum goes about it. Dekum is very stoic-faced and not really you know responsive, whereas um, Ginti is very expressive. So how we say. Um, in his episode featuring Gyaru Mayu. Um, who you know, like the black-haired girl, six run for a while, um, is definitely you know a highlight of the ep- of the season for me. Um, there is hinted to be A sudden increase In the number of deaths In the world Maybe it's due to Overpopulation I choose to believe That there was a cameo In one of the episodes Of Light Yagami From the so Death Note uh, Which Studio Madhouse Also worked on So presumably Who knows Maybe this is All the increased deaths As a result of Light Yagami Using the Death Note um, You know There's also a Buddha-like Big boss character Who plays billiards With a lightsaber And planets as the balls um, And he's pretty insistent that arbiters can't have human emotions because it makes their job of judging harder. Which, given the fact that there are more debts and debts every second, uh, you know they need they can't have people have a hard time harder time judging. Um, in fact, one of the overarching plots of the show is how the stoic and stone faced Decum slowly comes to come to the fact that he and he alone among the arbiters has human emotions, and whether or not that makes him better or worse of an arbiter and, ju- and in passing judgment. Um, you know, another overarching, you know, storyline is who is the black woman and, you know, why was Desam not able to judge her? Um, and that slowly unraveled over the 12 episodes of what her story is. Um, all of this wraps up into something I would label as bittersweet, honestly, and a little bit melancholic. But in that way that lets you reflect upon yourself and your life. And I think that's something that, you know, the best anime and best sows can do. It's ultimately very thought-provoking. Uh, the so does have a message that it's very clear about, about the importance of human emotions in living life. Um, but ultimately, it's also ambiguous enough to let the taker take away whatever they need f- to take away from the so. Um, for example, at first glance, you know, the idea of being reincarnated versus sent to the void is implied to basically be good and bad end. Um, considering all the religious iconography throughout the show and the knowledge that escaping the cycle of resurrection or reincarnation is the ultimate goal of some religious groups. Um, the idea that, you know, reincarnation is the good choice could very well be flipped on its head, but that's never explicitly stated in the show. And it it's up to us to kind of interpret A-la- Inception. Uh, what's the ultimate ending? On a technical level, the show is pretty stellar. Uh, the character's des- designs and background are exquisitely done and very unique. Um, the dark lighting and coloring really adds to the atmosphere of de Sim, uh Deckham's Bar. Um, the pacing of each episode, while a bit on the slow side, uh, you know, I think is necessary in order to uh, raise the tension in an expert way where it's slow but not boring. And while you wouldn't expect a bar game anime you know, with a melancholic slowest pace and tone to have super impressive animation, you'd be mistaken here. Um, there are definitely some moments that stand out, particularly as the intensity wraps wraps up for the cathartic emotional releases each episode, where the Sakuga really signs. Um, especially paired with the soundtrack choice, there is especially one scene, uh, I believe in episode 11, of ice skating that is just um, amazing. Um, anyway, speaking of the music, you cannot talk this show without mentioning the op the opening song "Flyers" uh, by Japanese funk band Bradio, which does oddly juxtapose against the darker tone of the zone with its you know upbeat funky riffs. But hey, it just works somehow, and it's a classic at this point. Everybody, get your hands up! Indeed, I definitely recommend. Separate from all of this, you definitely check out Bradio's work. They have some great stuff to jam out to. Uh, overall, I gave Death Parade a five out of five. Now, in any case, between Death Billiards, the OVA, and ultimately the full season run of Death Parade, um, Tatsukawa worked on a couple of other high-profile shows, uh, perhaps due to the rec- recognition he gained from Death Billiards. Uh, in 2013, uh, he worked on as an episode director for uh, Lupin the third, the woman called Fuji- Fujiko Mine for uh, Studio Trigger's debut series *Kill*. Um, he also worked for Studio Trigger's debut series *Kill la Kill* as an episode director, and also as an episode director for the first season of *Attack on Titan*, um, as well as also for uh, directing its second ending sequence. Uh, In 2014, he worked with the music producer and legendary director uh, Shinichi Watanabe on Watanabe's mystery show Zonkyo no Terror at Studio Mappa, uh, which was founded by former Madhouse employees. Uh, He also worked on storyboards for half of the series episodes, as well as directing the very first episode. Uh, In general, he also acted as assistant director for the entire series. Um, anyway, after Death Parade completed in 2015, uh, he went on to work uh, for you know Storyboards for an episode of uh, Trigger Series Kiznaiver, as well as on the Madhouse produced OVA for One Punch Man, wrote the hero uh, that came out at the end of 2015. Uh, This will not be the last time he actually would work on an adaptation of the work of Mangaka 1, who made One Punch Man, um, as his very next directing gig would be on the super impressive Mob Psycho 100, uh, produced out of Studio Bones in 2016, um, as well as its sequel in 2019, Mob Psycho 100 Season 2. Now, unlike Death Parade, Mob Psycho 100 is an adaptation of the prior work from uh, mangaka 1 that went from 2012 to 2017. Uh, the story is about a middle school-aged esper, Shigeru Kageyama, named a.k.a. Mob, uh, from the Japanese term Mabu, or background character, uh, who doesn't have, as his nickname suggests, much of a background presence kind of fades into the background. He also doesn't show a lot of emotion. Uh, he ends up working part-time after school for conman Regan Araka- Arataka, who uses Mob's very real and very powerful psychic powers to exorcise spirits. Now, before we go on hating Reagan for using a middle schooler uh, when he doesn't have powers himself, uh, despite being a con man, he ultimately has some very wholesome and influential advice for Mob that's honestly for the better, um, such as the assertion that you know having psychic powers doesn't make you superior to other humans who don't have them, and that, you know, the rule and mob's self-imposed rule to never use his powers on another human being. Honestly, I knew going into Watch This that, you know, this was was a widely acclaimed So What I was not expecting was to be this engrossed and taken in by it, and honestly, I'm kicking myself for overlooking it when it first aired back in 2016 or, you know, in its second season last year. There's so much going on here. Let's break it into some parts. First, the story. Uh, in both of the two seasons, the first half generally follows Mob and Regan around their lives. Mob isn't good at a lot of things aside from being a psychic, and you know, so one of his goals is to live as normal a life as possible and improve himself without using his psychic powers. Um, maybe he wants to improve in place himself to the, where he can run uh, a 5k without collapsing. Uh, maybe he wants to become a better person where he feels he can ask his crush out. Um, you know, along the way, he helps Reagan exorcise spirits, including one named Dimple, who ultimately returns as a friendly spirit. Um, who, while initially planning on taking advantage of Mob, ultimately becomes a genuine friend. Um, but, you know, Reagan, back to vegan and Mob, they also have dust-ups against other local psychics, uh, be it the delinquent boss of another middle school or other professional exorcists who are seemingly upset that a seemingly powerless vegan is growing more popular. Um, you also have Mob's dynamic with his younger brother, Ritsu, um, who, you know, is a, is a model student all around, but at first doesn't seem to have any psychic powers of his own. Uh, you know, it's revealed early on that the reason Mob seems to have no outgoing personality and is. Fairly dense as a character is because whenever he lets his emotions get a hold of him, up to the titular one hundred percent, there these there are these sequences where you see mob, you know, percentages increase over the course of the episode. As more and more of this stuff happens to him, stressing him out, uh, his powers ultimately will burst forth, uh, unsuppressed, where it could potentially be dangerous to everyone around him. Uh, you know, and in one incident when they were children, you know, he ended up accidentally hurting his young brother Ritsu, which is why he kind of started to repress his emotions. Um, you know, in fact, when Mob is knocked unconscious, there seems to be even a higher power level, which is labeled as question mark, question mark, question mark percent power level, which is even more terrifying. You know, However, this, despite this over the course of the two seasons, Mob does get more into his emotions as he has all his experiences and life lessons from Regan and hanging out with, with you know, his, his growing group of friends. You know, I want to give an explicit shout out to the Body Improvement Club, who are legitimately some of the most wholesome bros you will find in any anime period, and they reinforce Mob's goal of literally self-improvement uh, without having to rely on his psychic powers to make himself better. Uh, you know, to that end, there are a lot of great, solid life lessons to be taken from the show. I don't want to get into all because, honestly, the impact is a lot more meaningful when you watch it yourself. But suffice to say, at the end, by the end of the show, it makes you not only want to be a better person and love yourself, but also has many things to say about how the experiences you share with others are so meaningful. You know, without falling into the cliche "friendship is power." Uh, you know, cliche that a lot of so-and-so's have. Uh, back to the story, though. In the second half of each season, Mob comes up against the Esper group Claw. Now, unlike Mob, who has very little ego about his powers, the psychics in Claw want to take what they claim is their rightful place, ruling over the rest of humanity. Uh, circumstances arise that force Mob into conflict with Claw, even if he doesn't want to use his powers to hurt others, um, You know, as their ideals ultimately class. Though, I'm not sure if class is the right term, if Mob is just that much more powerful, kind of like Saitama in One Punch Man is, uh, where he's so much more Powerful than enemies without even trying or realizing it. Uh, you know, one one did a great job of creating a unique set of powers that each Asper mob faces has, and you know, also with great care, care, character designs for them. Some are pretty amusing as well. But, you know, you really have to give it up to Tachikawa and his lead animator, Yoshimichi Kameda. Uh, The story One has um, and that writer Hiroshi Seko adapted for the screen uh, would not have as much impact as if not for the absolutely breathtaking animation by Tachikawa, Kameda, and their team. Uh, I suspect part of it is that, you know, One's art style uh, is a little bit more... Rounded, it doesn't necessarily stick to a strict model as opposed to other series out there. And, you know, Kameda could have changed the model to be a standard anime character model. But I wouldn't have worked here because the wacky psychic powers and, you know, things distorting as the emotions grow stronger. That's really accentuated by the more rubbery, loose character models that don't really stay on model all the time. Um you know it, it, it he using the principles of animation of stretch and squash um, that to to really play them with the models to the maximum effect um, the reaction phases in mob are some of the best um, but even more impressive are the sakoka animation sequences and effect particles that dominate your eyes whenever mob and others use their powers I don't think I've seen animation this creative or impressive since watching Space Dandy, which, you know, basically had a different animation team every episode with new ideas. And I struggle to think of shows that were as innovative as much as this show was. Um, There were definitely sequences where I kept on going back to rewind and just marvel at the sheer technical accomplishment of the animation Um, in particular i want to shout out mio sato who uses a completely different form of animation paint on glass rather than traditional hand-drawn cell animated frames uh, or using cg models in the computer to create certain cuts and effects uh you know miss sato applied uh including for the entire uh closing sequence she applied Paint the glass and smeared it in shape uh, over time to painstakingly, almost like a stop motion animation form, uh, create the desired animated effect. It really adds to the otherworldly nature of some of the spirits and the emphasis on emotion wherever it pops up. I could go on, you know, but as always, Canapa Effect has a great job with his two videos highlighting the animation stop of Mob Psycho 100. I'll link those in the show notes. All in all, I'm definitely glad that I decided to profile Tatsukawa in this episode, if only to be able to lead me to watch Mob Psycho 100, Seasons 1 and 2, as well as the Hot Springs OVA. And I cannot wait for hopefully the third season to come out. Apparently, you know... They waited for the entire original staff to be free from other projects before starting season two to have the same quality animation, and hopefully that happens again soon. I know one has a little bit more story uh, to be told, even if this series has completed. So you know, overall, Mob Psycho One Hundred five crazy opening animation sequences uh, out of five. You know, anyway. Between seasons of Mob Psycho from 2016 and 2019, uh, Tachikawa did keep busy uh, with some other projects. Uh, he worked on the opening of Studio Mappas Inuyashiki, um, as well as on the feature-length film, uh, the 22nd Detective Conan movie, uh, which I th- believe made over 100 million yen. Um, did not watch that for this episode just because, you know, I, I don't have time to, to watch a Detective Conan movie. That brings us to today, which is most recent project, the currently airing Decadence, produced out of Studio NUT. Now, I already talked about this episode enough in recent episodes, so I won't really go into the summary here. Uh, check my uh, episode on the, um, you know, what I'm watching for the summer anime 2020 season, or, you know, wait till, I guess, the first week of weekend of the Friday of October, uh, where I'll have my recap of Decadence once it's completed. Um But, you know, there are three episodes more to go. Definitely give this a watch if you're not already. That being said, I think it's cool to see that Decadence, on a technical level, is almost the culmination of everything Tachikawa has been working on, up to now, it brings together staff and elements from his two other successful works to date, as well as many of his smaller projects. Um, the key animator and the character designer for Decadence is Shinichi Kurita. Um, they actually first worked together all the way back when he, was, when he first went freelancing on Bleach um, on episodes 319 and episodes 335, as well as the fourth movie. Uh, Tachikawa was the episode director, and Kurita was the animation director for these episodes. Presumably, they enjoyed working with each other enough that uh, Tatsukara would tap Karita for other animation uh, tasks for his other projects. Um, Karita provided key animation on Aquarian Evolve's OP, as well as providing character design and animation direction on Tatsukara's debut. Uh, director of their debut world's end um, he also you know continued and worked with tatshikara when he was on the young animators project and provided the character design and animation direction for death billiards as well as the full death parade series uh, so it's heartwarming in a sense to see him them working together again on decadence um, you can definitely when you watch them back to back see some of the character design influence uh, from decadence into uh, or from death parade into decadence. Now, while on decadence, Kurita comes from Tachikawa's experience with Death Parade. On the story side of things and mob side of things, series composition and script is mentioned by is provided by the aforementioned Hiroshi Seko. Um, Sekko first worked with Tachikawa on Zankyo no Terror, uh, where you know Tatsukawa was the assistant director for the series, and Seko helped provide the script for the overall series. Um, they continued working on Attack on Titan Series 1, where on Episode 7, they again teamed up as Episode Director and Script Writer. And they, again, they also collaborated, as noted, on Mob Psycho 100, with Hatsukawa directing and Seko writing for the entire series. So again, it's great to see the same duo collaborating on Decadence again. Uh, separately, I'm also looking forward to Seko's work on the upcoming Jujutsu Kaisen TV adaptation later this fall. So, of course, you know Kurita and Seko aren't the only ones who have collaborated with Tachikawa on multiple projects. Uh, the anime industry is sort of small, so maybe that can't be helped, but it's still nice to think that Tachikawa, when he's in position as director, he's tapping those he's worked well with in the past, and also vice versa. So, just to give you a quick one down, the legendary Shinichi Watanabe, of course, tapped Tachikawa to work on Zonkyo no Terror as his d- assistant director. Um, they may have crossed paths on the Lupin the Third woman named Fujino, Fujiko Mine, where Watanabe was music product, fr- producer and Tachikawa was episode director for episode 11. Um, but, you know, even before, uh, you know, b- b- since then, they've also worked on Death Parade. Uh, Watanabe directed the, ed- the ending sequences uh, for the series. Um, Animation director for Mob Psycho 100, Kameda Yosemite, as I mentioned before. Uh, You know, Canada Perfect has a whole video on the guy and why he's an absolute animation madman, but they actually worked together back in the Bleach Days as well on episode 341. Uh, Hiroshi Kobayashi is the director of Kiznaiver. Uh, He tapped Tatsukawa to do storyboards for their series after Tatsukawa had actually done the same and had Kobayashi do storyboards on Death Parade. Uh, Ayako Hata may be best known with regard to her relationship with Tachikawa uh, for doing the ending animation on Mob Psycho Season 2, but she actually worked with, worked with Tachikawa all the way back in his madhouse days on Chi's Sweet Home as, an, as a key animator. Ai Ogata helped Kurita uh, with character design on Decadence, was the assistant animation director on episode 11 of Death Parade, and was also the animation director for One Punch Man OVA which uh, Tatsukawa storyboarded. And then finally, Hiromi ok- uh, Okazai uh, was the animation director on episodes 3 and 10 of Death Parade, and provided some key animation for Mob Psycho 100, though he hasn't yet completed the Tatsukawa trifecta by also working on Decadence. You know i guess in line with the, with what what, what mob second 100 has to say tachikawa embodies the idea that you can't do it on your own and while this is the anime director showcase, you know, because that's kind of the easiest to look at, this anime is definitely a group effort, and, you know, the relationships that Tachikawa has made along the way through his career, you know, help shapes who he is and the work he's able to produce. Um, and, you know, even if it's been a short career, he's definitely made a lot of meaningful connections, it looks like, that carry through to all his other works that I expect to see these same names pop up again in future works he does. Speaking of the themes, though, of Mob Psycho 100 and you know the rest of Tatsukawa's works, while he again he doesn't have the largest body of work, especially when you look at the original only series, there are still certain themes that I find common throughout his work that he seems to hit on. Uh, For this, we'll be focusing on Death Parade, Mob Psycho, and Decadence, at least through episode nine. So, all of them have some degree of rebelling and going against a seemingly inopposable system. In Death Parade, uh, Deckham has human emotions um, as a way to try to see if arbiters will do their job, uh, if there's a better way for arbiters to do their job. Um, You know, the the bearded flower guy who plays pool with planets uh, seems to think otherwise. So, you know, this is Nona, uh, uh, Deckham's boss, way of trying to rebel against that and see if there's a different way to do it. Uh, in Decadence, Kaburagi uh, rebels against the corporate system as he realizes that Bug in the system, including Natsume, deserve to live as much to live and be happy and not just be tools of the system. And in Mob Psycho, while there isn't an explicit system that Mob and Reagan go up against, they do often come up against the idea, you know, of a seemingly logical power structure that those with power psychic powers should rule over and dominate those without. Um, however, this assertion is ultimately cussed and rejected by Mob and Reagan, who say psychic powers are just another trait as being smart, being athletic, being good looking, um, and you know, you that doesn't make you a better person to rule over others. And you know, whenever they come across someone who thinks this way, mob beating them down with his powers, inadvertently or not, ultimately inspires a shift in philosophy from them and reform, winning the war of ideals rather than just a war of power. In going against these pre-existing power structures and systems and rebelling against them, often the root cause is realizing the importance of power of human emotions, which I guess human emotions is a common theme in most shows, but you know, definitely explicitly so in uh, Tachikawa's works. Mob's, psycho- Mob's powers and his, his resolve to live in a certain way are explicitly powered by his emotions. Kaburagi and the bugs in the system are defined as such because they let their individual emotions and desires do things beyond what the system has defined for them. And, of course, Death Parade is entirely predicated upon Decim having human emotions when it's normally not the case for Arbiters. Uh, In addition to human emotions, Tatsukawa also notes upon the influence others can have on us and our own development. All the major protagonists, Decim, Mob, Kaburagi, are influenced by those around them the black-haired woman for to Natsume for Kaburagi, and pretty much the entire cast for Mob, though with a special focus on Reagan, the Body Improvement Club, Dimple, and his younger brother Ritsu. Uh, these protagonists are also all special individuals, right, but they all still need help, and it's especially meaningful, I think, that um, the ones who help them are those without powers and without the same special abilities. Again, you know, you generally want an anime protagonist to have special powers, but those with special powers are often in anime surrounded by others with special powers. And those who are who are brought into their place by those who would normal to a degree, I think that's what one of the things that's a hallmark of a Tachikawa work. And finally, another hallmark is Tachikawa is excellent at world building. While you know Mob did have most of the heavy lifting already done by one and his manga work, uh, in Death Parade and Decadence, you can tell there is a fully realized world out there that we're only peeking at one corner of for the show. And there's certainly material out there for many, many more seasons that I'd love to see. And I'm also going to call, start calling this a Tachikawa twist. Uh, in the first episode of these shows, you know, a, a world is presented, the rules of the world are presented, so to speak, where that, you know, seemingly is, is set in stone and tells you this is going to be this kind of show. But in the second episode, he completely twists it around and reveals there's a lot more depth to the show and recontextualizing what kind of show it will be. And this is also a little bit less thematic, but I also appreciate how Tatsukawa definitely, as a director, pays special attention to character design and animation in helping his work stand out. Um, even if that's from the people he's worked with, I think it just really elevates you know, everything that he's saying thematically. Uh, in any case, I think uh, you know, even if he's only had three full-length series as lead director, only two of which are original content of his own, I definitely count myself as a fan of Yuzuru Tachikawa Sensei and all that he's accomplished so far, along with his team. Uh, here's the hoping that Decadence can nail the ending in the next couple of weeks, uh, and that we'll get a new project from him soon, be it you know season three of Mob Psycho One Hundred or you know another original work. You know, we just, I'm just looking forward to see what it has. Uh, in any case, what are your favorite works from Yuzu Tachikawa? What you know works would you want him to adapt potentially? What you know are traits of his that I haven't mentioned that you think that I, that are definitely signifiers of a Tachikawa work? Uh, let me know on Twitter at Pod or via email at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com you can follow my my anime list at NinjaBoy333, Boy with an I. Link to that as well as our iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play in the show notes. Um, I'll also include links to the Canapa Effect videos I referenced. Um, you can leave a review on my podcast store or on podsaizo.com. It really helps. Intro and outro music is provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tandes.com. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We are on the first and third Fridays of each month. But until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang.